Welcome to Fantasy Sports Daily with Kyle L. Frank and Ray Flowers, Monday through Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Don't forget to use the promo code FSD20 for a 20% discount on the products over at FantasyGuru.com. The five-month race is officially over. may have been over last week for some of you, but now it's over for the rest of us. We welcome you to Fantasy Sports Daily on a Monday, a day in which me, Kyle Alfrink, and he, Ray Flowers, will recap everything that went down in Week 18. Um, as we discussed last week, we realize it's a week that many of you do not play. Um, it is a week where some of you get involved in the DFS world. It might be a week in week 18 where you just relax. You sit down. You breathe the fresh air and you say, ah, it's so entertaining to watch football without yelling at the TV screen. That might have been you on Sunday. Maybe not. Ray, how you doing on this Monday uh, post week 18? I'm doing well. It was really interesting. It was such a surreal experience uh, last night, sitting there watching the final game between the, the you know, the, the, the Dolphins and the Bills and realizing that my Sunday trek, which is a huge trek because no one cares, but I start at like 6.15 in the morning and go to like 8 at night every Sunday. It's over. I, I, I sat on the couch. I had a drink. Um, I relaxed a little bit, realized that my Monday was going to be different because I had to write the articles I normally have to write and everything. So it kind of... The nice relief, Kyle, but a little sad to see, I guess, the, the rhythm of the NFL season kind of change as well. What was the uh, traffic like yesterday morning on Twitter? Was it was it non-existent? Was it by far, I'm guessing it was the lightest week. Was it like a 75% downtick? What, what were you looking at yesterday on Twitter? Yeah, uh, to be honest, very disappointed. Uh, I would say that there were probably, in general, there are so many questions I legitimately can't answer them. And yesterday there were probably 40 questions in three hours. Wow. So it Which was like, a, well, I mean, what that's a, what, 70% drop, 80%? Uh, I, I, my, my estimate has been anywhere from 1,500 to 2,000 questions <laughs> on normal well, on, a, on a Sunday, depending on the week and everything. So to have 35, 40 of them, I mean, I put out a bunch of tweets about stats from the season and ran yeah. polls and try to get people involved, but there were not that many questions, Kyle. Yeah, week 18, nobody likes it. Um, I enjoyed it um, in, in the league where we played the full 18 weeks. I was not in the championship. But, Ray, it did come down in our title game to uh, the eventual winner was up by, I think, four points going into Sunday night football. And his opponent only had Jason Sanders, okay. the kicker for the Dolphins. Yep. And I, I think he looked it up and – you know, don't fact check me on this, but he said something like Sanders had only scored less than five points twice this year, something like that. And of course, Ray, he had two points mm -hmm. last night in the Bills win over the Dolphins. So uh, winner, winner, chicken dinner for my buddy. He uh, took home his first ever title. He's been in our league for, God, the early 2000s. So, so he brought home his first title and he was somebody playing without Christian McCaffrey in week 18. He was also somebody rolling with Tyrod Taylor as his quarterback in week 18, <laughs> and he still got a title. I'm sure there are other stories like that out there. Hopefully, some of you got into the DFS world, had a little fun with that. Um, it was still a great Sunday to watch football. I, I enjoyed it. There were still plenty of guys playing and big efforts to be had. And honestly, if you stream guys like A.T. Perry, like that, that's what memories are made of, you know, oh, I, I, I threw a dart and it hit 
So uh, we'll break it all down coming up on today's show. Let's give you a rundown of the week 18 reaction and uh, talk about all the good stuff. Uh, some of the bad stuff, obviously. Uh, Dallas looked good. Philadelphia did not. Obviously, two teams kind of going in different directions there. Uh, we've got injuries that may impact the playoffs. Sam Laporta, A.J. Brown, both those guys popping up with some issues. Uh, Got to give a shout out, and we will, to James Conner of the Arizona Cardinals. I don't know how many people realize this, but James Conner was like a monster in the last four or five weeks. Like, really, really good. Uh, Jordan Love, another guy in the second half that really turned it on. Brees Hall continuing to turn it on and even Derrick Henry Derrick Henry went old school on Sunday going up against the Jacksonville Jaguars and of course it's now Black Monday we've already got some coaches who are looking for jobs uh could be a pretty wild coaching carousel coming up in the next month or so so Ray and I will uh, get you the latest on that um also Ray speaking of the latest an adjusted promo code for people out there we're now into the fantasy football playoffs, mm -hmm. which again, you can do DFS. You can also do playoff leagues. Ray and I will be talking about uh, some of our playoff leagues coming up later in the week, but uh, Ray, for people looking for info, mm -hmm. on strategies, analysis, good plays, bad plays, all that stuff for the playoffs, we got you locked and loaded for that in January, don't we? Absolutely, we do. And again, you can use the promo code FSD20 for any product, no matter what sport, whether it's basketball, hockey, NASCAR, whatever it might be, FSD20 is for that. The new package Kyle was talking about, and we hinted at this last week, uh, the new package is basically the all-in football package for the rest of the season. So you get all the coverage throughout the playoffs. You also get our Super Bowl betting guide, which is, you know, for those of you that are interested in wagering, and even people that aren't interested in wagering, bet for the Super Bowl. So you get the Super Bowl betting guide. You get the off-season franchise mode as well, and that basically is our coverage of free agency, our coverage of the draft, the player profiles, all of that. So... Uh, for $39.99, you get the rest of this season and then the, the draft coverage as well in the franchise mode. So that's a nice little pick-me-up for those people that don't want football to go away. Yep, and uh, already I think uh, Jeff Manns, I, I saw this morning over at FantasyGuru.com, he's already breaking down the NFL draft. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he's giving his predictions and calls on how things are going to work for the teams where we know where they are going to be drafting from. Those are also teams known as non-playoff teams in 2023. So you can check that out. And we should also note on the website, I don't think it's up yet, but it will be probably in the next hour or two. Uh, we've got the big college football championship matchup tonight. Michigan taking on Washington. I think the kickoff is set for 7.30 Eastern. And uh, we will have the DFS breakdown going up at fantasyguru.com. It may be the final time that we see Jim Harbaugh on a Michigan sideline, because the next time you see them, it may be at an NFL stadium near you. A lot of rumors about a Harbaugh maybe heading to the Raiders, to the Chargers. So uh, we'll see if that comes to fruition. But before we get to any of that stuff, let's give you the rundown, as we always do on a Monday, of everything that went down on Sunday. Uh, take a look back at week 18 and Ray, I guess we'll start with the Sunday nighter. You know, that was kind of promoted as the, the the most important, the biggest game of the weekend. And it lost a little bit of juice because Buffalo, by the time they kicked off last night, knew that they were going to be in the postseason. It was just a matter of would they be, what, the, the two seed or the five or six seed, whatever it may have been. Uh, but they were going to be in the postseason. So it was a winner take all for the AFC East. But both the Dolphins and Bills were in. 
And and Ray, a little lacking, I, I think, in in pizzazz. You know, you think of two good teams, and honestly, it was a very messy game between both sides. Um, and and Josh Allen is purely one of those guys. And I guess we're just gonna have to get used to this and say this is what he is. But Ray, it's like a lot of good and a lot of bad almost every game with Josh Allen now. And he got the win last night. They get the home game. That that's a great comeback down the stretch here. What five straight wins? Most people thought they weren't going to make the playoffs. So credit to the Bills. But Ray, this is still a really sloppy five win five game winning streak. Where even for the fantasy players, the numbers were good, but the numbers were not great. Like every time you'd want to get excited about Josh Allen, there'd be a, a dumb sack or a dumb interception or a bad fumble kind of a weird way to end the season where he still finished as a stud in the fantasy game but it wasn't like a stud that every time he played you're like this is gonna be great this is gonna be awesome like even within the same game the same drive ray you'd be scratching your head saying what the heck is he thinking with that throw well i will say this he was always a stud in the fantasy game Mm -hmm. right there's a difference between that and the nfl like you you watch him play last night, and it's really fascinating to me. We have such a difference at the quarterback position. Like, there are some teams that have no idea what they're doing under center. There's other teams that are, are forced because of injury to play guys A or B, C, whatever. And Josh Allen is just, like you said, the highs and lows, he encapsulates all of it. <laughs> he encapsulates the lows of, you know, Sam Howell and the highs of Lamar Jackson. Like, it's it's remarkable. And like you said, in the same game. And when you look up and Josh Allen's carried the ball 15 times. Yeah. And he's thrown it for 350 yards and two touchdowns. Like, these are huge numbers. And then there's two interceptions on terrible passes. There's a fumble. It's just remarkable that they they can still win a football game. And I always get the sense watching him, unlike so many other quarterbacks, Kyle, that even when he makes mistakes, it's okay. He's always mm-hmm. got a chance to win a football game for his team. And that's why no one's going to want to face the Bills come the playoff. Well, and it's why for fantasy owners, Ray, um, he's still such an attraction. Like you mentioned the carries last night. What in the world? 15 of them? Like everything rides on Josh Allen. And I guess we should just expect him to have, you know, some some plays where he tries to do too much, where he tries to fit it in a window. It reminds me a lot of like Brett Favre. You know, we, we remember Brett Favre as a great quarterback and he won games and Super Bowls and all that. And, you know, you kind of forget, Ray, about, some of the just truly awful games he had with three mm-hmm. interceptions and, you know, trying to do so much and running outside the pocket and the ball slips out of his hands. I mean, that happened to Brett Favre. He he was for a great quarterback. He was really turnover prone. And that's kind of what we have with Josh Allen. And the, the other thing to bring up with Allen Ray is I think coming into this year, at least my assumption was, okay, we're at a point with Allen where they got to scale back. Remember, we heard things about, oh, they're they're going to protect Josh Allen more. They don't want him out of the pocket. They don't want him taking on linebackers, so on and so forth. Ray, there's no difference. I mean, and, and this is what I always say in the preseason, and, and just a word of warning for, I don't know, six months from now. You get all these reports about, oh, they're going to change this and they're going to change that. And it all sounds great. And then the season happens. And, Ray, the season for Josh Allen was – you know, was he at his high water mark? I guess he had, what, 111 carries this year. Last year was 124. The year before that was 122. He had 102. He had 109. So all five seasons that he's been a starter rates between 109 and 124, in effect, same guy every year. So, like, they kept running him. And I just wonder, man, like, how many more hits does the guy have? How many more touchdowns? He had 15 rushing touchdowns. 
Like it, it's remarkable that at this stage in his career, with the money they're paying him, with the idea that he is still a throwing quarterback, like he can make throws that I don't expect Jalen Hurts to make or that I don't expect Lamar Jackson to make. Yet still, Ray, he is running just as much as those guys over the course of a season. Yeah, and we talked about this last week. We had all the talk about Lamar Jackson being the MVP and everything. And just again to remind people, Josh Allen produced 15 more touchdowns than Lamar Jackson. 15. And if you take Josh Allen away from the quarterback, the Bills go 6-11. and 11. Yeah. Right? Like that's – so I think you can still, despite all the mistakes – Make the case that there's no more important player in football than Josh Allen for his team. Now you can't have a league MVP with 20 turnovers. I get it, but he is—he's the team, and mm-hmm. I think there's a difference too because we talk about everyone does with Lamar Jackson. Like he runs a ton, right? He never gets hit. He slides off tackles. He goes out of bounds. He's smart about it, right? He's slippery. Josh Allen just runs into people, like, and it's so it's it's kind of like. That Derrick Henry style of running, whereas it's not, you know, 15 carries. Of, oh, you know, he got hit twice. It's 15 carries and he got hit 14 times. Like it's, yeah. you know, so that that's an issue too. He's able, you know, they do all these, you know, pushes and these short yardage things with him. And he's doubled, he's jumping over piles. And, you know, it, it's not, it's not going to last long-term. The good part for Allen, unlike a lot of the other running quarterbacks, obviously, is he can still beat you with his arm. They'll just have to change how they're, they're operating offense. But you're right. They, they said they would change things. And when push came to shove, they gave him 15 carries. And and he goes down as like the greatest vulture of all time, like literally, because Ray, he's got a running back in James Cook, who when you total it all up, and I realize it was kind of up and down. He was kind of like a Calvin Ridley of running backs this year. But James Cook, Ray, 1,567 yards this year. Yeah. But he had two rushing touchdowns. <laughs> and I'd love to look it up, a running back who has – you know, gone over 1,500 total yards, but only had two rushing touchdowns. I'm sure there's somebody else out there. But, Ray, like, you could look at James Cook, and it's a whole lot of a whole lot of what could have been. Because you don't expect a quarterback to ever have 15 rushing touchdowns. If, if James Cook could have just gotten, like, six of those. Mm-hmm. Ray, we're talking about James Cook as, like, a top-five pick next year. But because of this lack of touchdowns, because of all the touchdowns vultured by Josh Allen – I don't even know if James could, I guess he will be in a PPR setup, but like you can have a debate. Is he an RB one going into next season, despite what he did this season? Yeah. If he would have got six extra touchdowns, right. And they were all two yard scores, right. He goes from running back 11 to running back six. Yeah. In a PPR setup. And that there it is. And then that eight touchdowns would be very reasonable for a guy with his workload and his production and, and the success of his offense. And so that's why it'll be very important, obviously, to dig beyond just the numbers you see on a spreadsheet or whatever at the end of the season. We dig into things and you think about it and we'll try to read the tea leaves a little bit. And I think depending upon how the season ends for the Bills, they'll have to reassess here. You you, you can't take the running piece away from Josh Allen. It's a, it's a vital part of your offense. But you got other guys and you've got to start thinking long term here. You know, this guy keeps killing himself. And if it's not happening, if they don't win the Super Bowl this year. We let's pull back on that a little bit. Let's make sure we have more years of success. So it'll be interesting to see if next year, indeed, they that they, he comes from the 15 touchdowns down to six. Everyone's pissed off until they realize six rushing touchdowns is pretty damn good for a quarterback. Man, as for the Dolphins, um, maybe to be expected. I mean, they didn't have Jalen Waddle, they didn't have Raheem Mostert. Um, the Bills are playing well, the Dolphins, so so. It was a pretty lacking effort for them. Uh, nothing really exciting here. I guess Tyreek Hill was okay, Devin A. Chain, okay. To a tongue of Iloa, not looking very good. The, the crazy thing, Ray, is 
uh, with that loss, they now go to Kansas City. They're going to lose. You, know, you, you go from thinking you got a one or two seat. Like yeah. the Dolphins were literally playing for the one seat a week ago against Baltimore. Now, Ray, they go on the road in week one. And uh, I don't know if you've looked at the weather, but it's going to be like two degrees on Saturday night in Kansas City. <laughs> so <laughs> that, That's a shock to the system if you're the Dolphins waking up this morning, now knowing what you have to do in the postseason. Yeah, and like I said, I mean, I think there's a legitimate chance they lose this this yeah. football game, despite all the struggles uh, of the Chiefs, you know. And and this is, you know, there we have two teams, one in each conference. The, the Eagles we'll talk about later. Two teams that you know a month ago, yeah, these teams are going to do it. They got a chance to win the Super Bowl. Now it's like both these teams are limping into the playoffs, and you know the matchups aren't what we expected. And in, in you know the first round, I mean, the, the Bills get the Steelers. How much more, you know, excited are they about that versus having to face Mahomes and the Chiefs? So. It'll be tough to see, even if if Waddle and Mostert are healthy enough to play, and we assume they will be, it's going to be tough for the Dolphins to win that football game. Well, let's go to those Eagles, Ray. Uh, we kind of wondered aloud throughout last week on the show, uh, what would they do with their starting players? Uh, because there was a little bit on the line. They had an outside shot of getting the two seed. Um, they needed to get their offense right. Ray, they failed on both fronts. They didn't get the two seed, and they didn't come close to getting the offense right. We at least got the reporting on Sunday that DeAndre Swift would not be in the lineup. Uh, we kind of expected Devonta Smith to be out as well. We did get Hurts. We did get A.J. Brown. But, Ray, we got a quarter of Brown. We got less than two quarters of Hurts. If you chanced it with the Eagles, DFS or otherwise, it really blew up in your face. And, and that team goes into the postseason with, like, negative momentum at this point, I think. Yeah, I mean, obviously the injury to Brown was a, a tough winning game, and then, you know, they, they fell to, to the Giants. I mean, let, let's be very clear about this, with, without hyperbole, very clear about this. The Eagles right now stink. Like, just, they, they got smashed by the New York Giants, which is <laughs> awful. And, you know, we can talk and all the, the niceness and all the, the skill players and all the, the history and all we can talk about. Like, if you had to you know, plan out, like put $0 on the Eagles winning the Super Bowl. Zero. Don't place a bet on that. They look terrible. And I mean, Kyle, this is a month ago. This team was considered by some to be the best team in football. Mm -hmm. I mean, now what are they playoff team nine? Like they're, they're, they've been terrible for a month. Terrible. And, and I don't really know why it's the case. It's like, they can't point to injuries. You know, they made the defensive change. Remember when they, Matt Patricia, came over, took over. They've gotten worse since he took over. And, you know, I I guess it's easy to point to the defense, right, and say they're not. But I don't know what in the heck's happened to this offense. And and I wonder if people just aren't scared of anything. I, I wonder if what's really going on here, and this is just my guess. I've not seen every snap of the Eagles. But, in effect, Jalen Hurts has been playing with a bum knee for like eight weeks. And I just wonder if it's gotten to the point, Ray, where teams don't have to worry at all about him running around the pocket and hurting them. Like, they don't fear his mobility anymore. Obviously, he can still do the tush push. Okay, that can – but things like racing around for an 8, 11-yard gain, they don't have to worry about that anymore. So when he drops back, teams are like, we don't need to have a spy. We don't need to worry about you tucking it and running it. And, and I wonder – that's a very simple guess, but it just seems this offense – is doing nothing. And, and really, again, they got the same guys out there. It's the quarterbacks out there, but it, it's just been a massive failure, kind of a, a, a bewildering failure over the last five, six weeks for them. 
Yeah, they obviously lost Dallas Goddard for a period of time, and then they didn't have Devonta Smith yesterday, and maybe you know AJ Brown moving forward, we'll see. So they've lost key pieces at times, but you should have in Jalen Hurts the type of quarterback that allows you to overcome that, right? You don't have Gardner Minshew back there. You don't have you know Tyler Heineke back there. You've got a quarterback that can do things like you said. And he's not – his knee is somewhat of an issue. I think we can clearly admit that. And Jeff Manns has talked about this uh, a lot on his show on Series XM Fantasy Sports Radio Monday through Friday from 3 to 5. When you watch the mechanics of Hertz, he's not really engaging his lower half. His 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 mechanics are off. And Jeff's talked about his dropbacks and his pacing for two months now. And there's just maybe that's the knee and he just can't, you know, but yeah. it's it's a it's messy. It's really bad. And you know, now with the specter of AJ Brown potentially, right? Like he really is the driving force of that offense. And if he is out come playoff time, like I don't even know how they win a football game. Yeah, the, the news on Brown as of now is not like uh, he's done, which when he went down yesterday, it was kind of scary. He kind of felt that way. Uh, we'll have to see. They play on Monday night against Tampa, so they do get an extra day. Uh, Jason in the chat room says the problem with Hurts is he keeps dropping back and back and back. He's running into that Zach Wilson paranoia, I guess. that's, that's and, and again, I'm guessing Jason has seen more of the Eagles than myself, but um, that stands to reason, you know. They, whatever it is, it's it's totally off. And again, they go in with no momentum. Now, the good news is they get the Buccaneers, who we're going to talk about in just a second. On on the Giants side, Ray, Saquon Barkley, a couple of touchdowns. Uh, but it's kind of, you know, he missed some games. But Saquon Barkley did not get to 1,000 yards rushing. And he lost about 400 total yards from a season ago. Now, again, he got 10 touchdowns. It was not a bust of a year for Saquon Barkley. And he does have plenty of excuses. I mean, that offense, you didn't have to worry about them throwing the football for 12 weeks this year. But, Ray, we now enter an offseason where Saquon Barkley is kind of up for grabs. Uh, 288 touches this year, 70 fewer than last season. Again, he missed three games. So they used him at about the same rate, Ray, maybe a little less. But he's now going to be 27, and I don't know if the Giants are moving on. It kind of sounds like they're willing to do that. Um, and Barkley is paying lip service to the idea of sticking around. But I just wonder in the fantasy world, whether he stays in New York or goes elsewhere, are, are the best days of Saquon Barkley? I mean, is he outside the top 10 going into next season? Well, I mean, if you look at the situation with the Giants, would you even really want him back there? I mean, you have a guy in Daniel Jones who, I don't know if injury prone is the right way to say it, but a guy who's dealing with injuries for a, year, a couple of years now. Your most productive pass catcher is your tight end who can't stay on the football field in Darren Waller. Your number one wide receiver is Wandale Robinson, who's four foot three. Um, you know, <laughs> Darius Clayton, maybe he's your number one. All he does is run fly routes. Like this, like, do you want Barkley back there? Because it'll, he'll run into the same issue as he did this year, where you know he's completely focused on versus going to a, another team where he's a focus, but not the focus. You know, maybe yeah. he gets an opportunity to work with a, a more dynamic offense. I think his landing spot answers your question but if i had to sit here and do a draft which no one should be doing uh do a draft for 2024 i think he's still a running back one because i think and, wherever he ends up it's 18 touches and four catches kind of stuff yeah and, and i'm still pretty out on this offense even for next year i like i don't care about wandell robinson and what he did or darius slayton and what he did it's like who mm -hmm. cares so yeah. um hey giants kept playing that's a good sign for brian dable but uh, everybody else like fantasy wise for next year who cares um and, and i don't know with barkley uh, what his status is going to be. Uh, we'll just have to see how he is treated as a quote-unquote elite running back. 
going into the offseason. Now, we mentioned the Eagles would be taking on the Bucks. Let's get that game out of the way. Ray, I, I, can you imagine a playoff matchup where two teams come in to face off against each other and they have less going for them than the Bucks and the Eagles? And, you know, Tampa Bay, I, I get it. But, like, Ray, they, they had to win yesterday, and it was terrible for them. It was the, – the only thing I want to point out with the Bucks because I find this fairly wild. It's, it's a great accomplishment. Ray, they have now accomplished um, Godwin and Evans, who neither of them had a very good game yesterday. But both of those guys together have four straight years of at least 1,000 yards receiving. They're doing it together. That that I, I hope people understand how difficult that is in the NFL to have two guys in one season go for a thousand yards receiving. And Ray, they've now done it in four straight seasons. So the the team is blah. Yesterday was ugly, but I thought those two guys especially give them a round of applause for what they've pulled off the last four years. Yeah, dealing with different quarterbacks dealing with different head coaches in that time period. Like, that's really, you're right. It's very impressive. Uh, and that is about the only impressive thing with this team. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I said earlier the Eagles have no chance in the playoffs. They certainly have a chance to win one game because the Bucks suck. I mean, the, the Panthers, I think I saw it on the broadcast, were the first team since 2008 to be shut out in two straight games. Like, yep. the, the Panthers <laughs> are just horrid. They're in a horrible organization right now. They have no direction. They have no players. It's just bad. And, you know, Baker Mayfield's gutting it out after he hurt his leg and the whole thing. But that, that team strikes fear into 1% of the, the population. They have. You know, yeah. uh, all you got to do is, is keep Godwin from breaking a long one, which he doesn't normally do. Don't let Mike, you know, Mike Evans have two 50-yard catches for touchdowns and you win a football game against him. It's not that complicated. But those two guys uh, have had moments, both Evans and Godwin, right, where they were superstars in the fantasy space this year. Other moments where they were slightly disappointing. But overall, both were very effective, and, and that's historically good, as you pointed out. And, and Ray, we're going to hear a lot of piling on of the Philadelphia Eagles. I'll be another one to pile on. Um, okay. They're not winning next week. You don't think? Okay. No, nah, I mean, this game's in Tampa. What's the spread here? Eagles by two and a half. I'll gladly take the Bucks as the underdog there. And I say that because the Eagles can't stop anybody. Like, the Panthers are a better defense than the Eagles right now. The Eagles are a negative defense. I think they're like 32nd in defensive EPA over the last like six, seven weeks. They've just lost it. And honestly, Ray, with Evans, with Godwin, even with Baker Mayfield, Rashad White, I think the Bucs will move the football. And having that as a home game, I like the Bucs defense to, and they're not going to shut down the Eagles, but with the Eagles as bad, I don't think you just flip a switch to the playoffs, right? And all of a sudden the Eagles figure it out. Maybe that happens, but. To me, man, sign me up for the underdog all day for that Monday night or next week. Yeah, it's really tough. When this is a discussion we've had, do you rest guys in the final week of the season? Is it different in the fantasy? Play? Is it different in the playoffs? Excuse me. And I agree with you. There's no switch to be flipped here, uh, especially when you're talking about an Eagles team, as we both said, who for weeks, weeks, over a month now have just been blah. Mm -hmm. um, it, it should be it should be a matchup that you would see and you'd immediately say, oh, Eagles are going to kill them. Like you said, it may, they might not even win the football game. It's going to be interesting. Eagles still scuffling. Let's go to another team that uh, scuffled and scuffled and scuffled. They scuffled so badly that they're not even in the postseason, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, Ray, I called this last week, man. I was all in on the Titans. I was all in on Derrick Henry. It played according to form. And, and the big story here is the Jags. Ray, a disaster. And 
I, I think they choked it away, and I think that coaching staff uh, blew it. That's a very winnable division. They've got talent. I know they had injuries. Everybody has injuries. If Trevor Lawrence is good enough to play, then you got to play, and he didn't, Ray. Um, I guess you can give him credit for at least signing up to play, but that should be expected in the NFL. The problem is he was bad. Trevor Lawrence missed a lot of throws. Trevor Lawrence had some bad interceptions. I hate to throw it all on his shoulders, but he actually goes down as one of the bigger fantasy disappointments in the entire season. Because, Ray, when you total it up, he threw four fewer touchdowns than last year, and he was picked off six more times than last season. He was supposed to make a jump this year. He went the other direction. And, you know, he was everybody's favorite. Hey, I'll, I'll wait at QB. I'll take Trevor Lawrence. You know, he's not elite, but he's really good. He didn't come close to those expectations this year, right? And he's Mr. Fumble, too. He's got 24 fumbles since the start of last Ooh. season. Like, get him. And the famous one this year where he's running in the open field and just drops the ball. Um, you know, Trevor Lawrence, I think, is like QB 12 this season. If you look at all the numbers. And again, scoring systems are a little different, but that's the one I'm looking at right now. So, okay. Right? It's okay. And I think yesterday was an example of that. 280 and 2, okay. Two interceptions. Huh. And like you said, he didn't play great. Um, Trevor Lawrence, and this has been a this is for whatever reason the last month in particular, people have really pushed back and argued against us, the Jaguar people, if you will. Duval, you guys suck. <laughs> you were eight and three. They were eight and three, right? Yeah. If I'm not mistaken. They were eight and three. They finished nine and eight. And you know, this is on the coaching staff, 100 percent Got it. They need blame because this this team is talented enough to win a football game facing the Titans. Come on, the Titans are six and eleven, and they're not good. They're not a good football team, especially on offense. You gave up 28 points to the Titans. You like Derrick Henry run for 150. Come on. Uh, but Trevor Lawrence is the quarterback of this team, and he is the one that's going to get the brunt of this. Yeah. And he certainly did not step forward. As you pointed out, you can make arguments that he stepped backwards. He was supposed to be a generational talent. He was supposed to be the face of the NFL. And right now he's struggling to be much better than Baker Mayfield. And that's that's just is the he, fact. Is he out of your QB1 world? next year he's still in mine mm -hmm. but again it's like in that Kirk Cousins realm where nobody wants him nobody's going to draft him and wow I can get Trevor Lawrence in the 10th round you know I can get him as the 12th or th I, I'll probably take that chance Ray I'm not somebody who invests in QBs I'm not mm -hmm. so to me I'm always looking at guys like Trevor Lawrence I, I'd probably still be there I wouldn't love it with him as my QB one and God knows if I draft him in the 10th round I'm getting my second QB probably in the 11th round. <laughs> you know, I want to have options there. Um, and maybe people would say, well, he's not going to work for me because I want to, I want a, a bridge quarterback that can maybe give me something extra with the running. Mm -hmm. Lawrence gives you a little bit with he the does. running. It's, it's not Josh Allen or anything, but it's kind of minor league Josh Allen. So I, I still think, Ray, for a certain fantasy player, somebody who's fine with the idea of a quarterback that, Probably isn't going to get me 32 points, mm -hmm. but can get me in that 18 to 20 range every week. For a guy like me, Trevor Lawrence is still kind of applicable for my fantasy builds next year. Well, I'm looking at my Dynasty League scoring right now. He had three. One, two, three. Three more points than Sam Howell. <laughs> and he had 15 more points than Russell Wilson, who didn't even play the final two games. Yeah. You know, so I think that you're totally right. He's in the Kirk Cousins, Jared Goff zone. 
But no, those guys are even better than Lawrence, right? They're more consistent. Yeah. 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 And, you know, it, there is still the hope. There is still the youth. There is still the athleticism that he has over the Goff and Cousins in particular, right? He can run a little bit, like you mentioned. We'll see. I mean, I, again, I think what there's sometimes the numbers get better or worse, and the performance doesn't naturally follow that, right? Like the guy played better, but the numbers got worse. In the case of Lawrence, the numbers got worse, and he played worse. Like it's a, it's this this is what happened, and that's very disconcerting moving forward for Trevor Lawrence. Uh, a couple of other things with the Jags: Evan Ingram had ten more catches, finished the season with a hundred and fourteen catches. That is second most for any tight end in any season in the history of football. Evan Ingram, <laughs> The record, by the way, is Zach Ertz with 116 catches. I think it was 2018. But 114 catches for Evan Ingram. And nobody talks about him at all. But Ray had 115. He had a ball bounce out of his hands for an interception for Trevor Lawrence yesterday. Yeah, well, and, and like Calvin Ridley too, Ray. It's like late in that game, pass goes right through his hands. It was four inches, Kyle. I mean, it was you know. Yeah, hey, dude, make the play. You yeah, got him. Okay. And Ridley, right? Ridley's easy for me to pick on. I, I was not in on Ridley coming into the year, and and Ray, he was. I, I referenced who did I say it was the. Oh, James Cook or something was it like up and down. Calvin Ridley takes the cake this year. Like you're probably going to do consistency ratings in a few months. Here's Calvin Ridley, nine games of 40 or fewer yards, nine and seven games of 80 or more yards. <laughs> there was no in between for Calvin Ridley this year. He was a top 20 wide receiver too. <laughs> You know, and, and you're right, a 5.7, 1.5, 7, 9, 8, 7, like all these single-digit efforts in the PPR setup. Yeah, and that, I mean, and again, Ridley can only do what he can do, right? And this is part Trevor Lawrence, this is part the, the coaching staff, the play calling, all this kind of stuff. Uh, and it's why it's frustrating. It's why fantasy football head-to-head -head is frustrating. Because in the end, this guy's a top 20 wide receiver, right? He's a top 20 guy. He's got to be starting every week. And there were weeks where he burned you bad. Yeah. Titans get the win. Derrick Henry, big. Um, he said after the game, he kind of treated it like, see you guys. Thanks for thanks for the memories, which I, I get. I think he probably does move on. But if he doesn't find much of a market, I think he could be back with Tennessee on like a one-year deal. You know, I, I think he could, uh, you know, if he doesn't find what he wants out there, which he may not, as good as he's been. Uh, what is it? He, he's got like 41 games over 100 yards rushing, which is a new Titans franchise record. The question that I've got here, Ray, is if Henry moves on, is Tajay Spears the answer? I don't think he is. I, I Yesterday he had two touchdowns. Uh, he's explosive, but Ray, I don't look at Tajay Spears. I mean, that would be quite a switcheroo to go from somebody like Derrick Henry to Tajay Spears in this offense. Like, mm -hmm. it, he'll have a future, but I, I don't think he can be the guy for the Titans. Yeah, I think ideally he'd be Jalen Warren and they'd have a Najee Harris, right? I think ideally that's the way they should do it. I think the problem the Titans have is the way their offense is currently constructed right now with all the pieces they have, they're in big trouble next year because they can't have this offense throw the ball 38 times a game and run at 22. Like they, That doesn't work for this offense. They have to grind it out. They need to play slow football. They need to control the clock. And Taji Spears is not that guy, in my opinion. I agree with you. He's not a guy that's going to grind out four yards, four yards, five yards, four. And here, you know, it's a seven-minute drive. We went 63 yards. He's not that guy. He is potentially dynamic, as we saw again yesterday. He's explosive, as we've seen all season long. But he's not someone that – they should feel confident in giving the ball to 20 times a week and think that's going to lead to success for this team. Uh, Mike Vrabel 
could be moving on too from Tennessee. And uh, there are rumors circulating that maybe New England would be the spot he'd go to. Let's talk about those Patriots. The Bill Belichick era, not officially over, uh, but it could be. And it really went out with a whimper. Uh, 17 to 3, Jets top the uh, Patriots. I believe that's the first Jets win against New England in almost 3,000 days. Like literally <laughs> nine years, something like that. Um, and, and and the number one takeaway here, Ray, is Brees Hall. Mm-hmm. You, you want to talk about a guy eating 37 carries and snowy weather. Both offenses suck as is, but 37 carries for Brees Hall. And I heard it mentioned last night. It You know, Aaron Rodgers expected to be back. You know, if he's healthy, obviously that gives renewed life to Garrett Wilson, probably helps Brees Hall. Brees Hall, Ray, the idea of in a PPR setup next year, could he be like a top three or four running back off the board? And and here's my pushback on that. Mm-hmm. I believe with a better offense, with a better quarterback, we actually see a lot less of Brees Hall. You know, you're not getting 37 carries. You're not getting 25 carries. Now, receptions will help, and he could still be huge there. And and I'm not ready to say he can't be a top three or top four running back off the board in a PPR. But, Ray, I just think we can't get carried away with some of these rushing totals down the stretch because I think everything changes if you have Aaron Rodgers back under center. Yeah, they're apparently going to leave their coaching staff in place, which is a mistake because they bungled this entire season. 42 coaching uh, quarterback changes, and they didn't give the ball to Brees Hall in the year. They were saving him for God knows what to give it 37 times in week 18. I don't know. Coaching staff did a bad job, but they're going to be back. So that's a little concerning. Aaron Rodgers is 40 plus years old. We all assume, hey, it's Aaron Rodgers. He's going to throw you know 31 touchdowns with four interceptions. That's We haven't seen that guy now in multiple years. So, you know, is his return to this offense, provided he's physically capable of doing it, going to help? Absolutely. For sure. It's, this year was horrid. We talked about it over and over again. Zach Wilson's led this team in touchdown passes three years in a row. Zach Wilson. And he's thrown, what has he thrown? 17 touchdown, 20 touchdown passes in three years? And, and he's been nothing but terrible in terrible. those years. <laughs> so, of course, it's going to get better. But I think your point is a very valid one with Brees Hall. No running back in an Aaron Rodgers offense is going to carry the ball 25 times a week. Mm-hmm. Not going to happen. Aaron Rodgers will utilize screen passes and he'll utilize the running back. He's not going to throw the ball so we're getting Brees Hall catching six, seven, eight passes a week. That's not how the offense is going to work with Aaron Rodgers. So, I think to answer your question, you can make the case strongly that he's a running back one, Brees Hall. Mm-hmm. And I, you can't make the case that he's a top five guy because I still think that though uh, Bonaconda was utilized here at the end, they finally moved on from Dalvin Cook. This is one of those scenarios where there is a running back, Brees Hall, who's going to get 80% of the work, Brees Hall, and it's going to be an effective offense, Brees Hall. Yeah. Well, and the field's been wiped out ahead of him. I mean, Austin Eckler is gone. Nobody's mm-hmm. thinking about him as that guy. Um, I don't know if Najee Harris is going to get the RB1 respect. Uh, people might feel they got burned by B. John Robinson. I don't think that's the case because, hey, new coach is coming in. Uh, but we'll have to see when we talk running backs. And, and one thing we will do over the coming weeks is kind of take a deep breath, look at all these positions, what worked, how did things finish up. Uh, we'll probably do QBs, you know, this week. But uh, certainly when we get to the running backs, we'll be breaking that down. Let's go to the Falcons, Ray. Uh, for those who have missed it, uh, Arthur Smith is out. Um, I, I don't know if we're supposed to take pleasure in that, but I am. Did you see you, the, after the game where he's yelling at? at I know. I and, on, and Ray, man. I get both sides. I I I get with a minute left in the game, the team lines up like they're gonna take a knee and you're running, and that's kind of bush league, but it's the NFL and you're Arthur Smith. I think he's just jealous, Ray, 
that the Saints can score easily. You know, and he couldn't score easily all year. Um, and he got embarrassed, and he probably knew that the score was going to make it easy to fire him. Right. Um, it's like, and, and Dennis Allen, the coach of the Saints, tried to tell him, hey, man, I didn't call that, which probably didn't. Jameis Winston admitted that. And, and Ray, he got, you know, they nobody mentions this, but Jamal Williams, Ray, probably needed that touchdown to avoid, like, infamy. Because he <laughs> right. had 17 touchdowns last year. He, he was on the verge of zero. Yeah. Which is astounding, Ray, to go. We've never seen anything like that, have we? 17 to zero. Now he got his one touchdown, so it doesn't sound quite as profound, but that was history about to be made that Jameis Winston saved Jamal Williams from. Yeah. Everyone from all reports I've ever seen thinks Jamal Williams is the greatest guy ever, right? <laughs> like everyone loves Jamal Williams and his teammates want him to score. You know, that's what that was about. And so they got on the touchdown and was it in good taste or whatever? Fine. Don't go yell and be a four-year-old Arthur Smith. Right? It's that the is, NFL, man. You, yeah, you get yeah. your ass kicked. You get your ass kicked. Move on. Right. And um, I think that the Jamal Williams situation is a prime example, though, of what we teach and preach at FantasyGuru.com and why it's so important that the skills of running backs in particular are nice, but you've got to be in the right system. And they got to utilize you the right way. You know, it, with the Saints, it was – Kamara at the goal line. It was Taysom Hill at the goal line. It was not Jamal Williams. He's not appreciably different as a runner than he was 10 months ago. That's just how it is. So uh, those roles are really important. And Jamal Williams got burned by one this year where he was the benefit of one last year. And I know this isn't the biggest storyline, but it kind of brings both these teams together, the Saints and the Falcons. Like, why did you sign Jamal Williams if you're not going to use him? It's strange. As your goal line. It's really strange. Yep. Um, and, Ray, that leads to the Falcons. Like, why do you draft B. John Robinson number eight overall? Mm -hmm if you're still going to give Tyler Algier almost as many carries. I think the difference at the end of the year was like 35 carries in difference, which is two a game. I'm sorry. And, and that's fine. I get it. Algier is a good play. But then you don't invest a top 10 pick in a running back. Yep. When, when you make that call, Arthur Smith and the Falcons, you're saying we're going to reach on a running back. That is nowadays reaching on a running back. I don't care what the talent is. And if you're going to make that decision, he better be getting 280 carries. Mm -hmm. And B. John Robinson didn't get close to that. And, Ray, I kind of joked last week, you just watch. Week 18, all these guys will go off pits, London, B. John. Didn't happen. I mean, I guess Arthur Smith is still Arthur Smith. But <laughs> B. John Robinson, Ray, took off and eat over 100 yards receiving. Mm -hmm. That was nice to see. It was wild. I didn't realize this until I looked at it. B. John Robinson had 100 yards rushing in week one. Mm-hmm. And Ray, he didn't get there again the rest of the season. I mean, that is, and it's. I'm not blaming the player. I'm, I'm throwing it all on the guy who just got fired last night, and and I blame him. And I, I think next year Ray Bijan to me is still an RB one. I, I, I gotta think whoever comes in will realize what they have a 21 year old, 22 running back, and let's say burn the, burn the tires off, man. Let's do it. And, and so for me, he's still gonna be an RB one next season. Yeah, he was an RB1 this year, uh, even with all yeah. the disaster in a PPR. Uh, he'll be a running back one next year. I agree with you. He'll be a high-end draft pick next year because they'll figure out the, the coaching. I think there's two pieces, right? they got to figure out the coach. Remember, we've got top 10 wide receiver, a top 10 running back, and a top 10 tight end, and our offense is terrible. Three, We have three building blocks of an organization, all top 10 picks, and they can't figure out how to use them. And you've and professed pure faith in Desmond Ritter. and that's Well, and that's the second piece of this. This organization does not have a quarterback. Okay, we can talk about Desmond. Ritter. He is terrible. 
Okay. That touchdown pass he threw to B. John Robinson was about four inches away from being knocked down and about 12 <laughs> inches away from a pick six. It was just, he, if he had was just, and I would give the benefit of the doubt if that was Jalen Hurts. I'm not giving the benefit of the doubt to Desmond Ritter. He had another fumble. He is the fumbleitis king. He threw another interception. And that interception was something we've seen from Desmond Ritter. Every game Desmond Ritter plays, every single game, he throws at least one, if not two or three passes that make no sense. That interception was to nobody. It was and to the Saints. Don't forget Bijan wide open in the end zone and he couldn't connect to him. Yeah. It, yeah. it was a terrible pass. It was an easy touchdown. He can't make the simple throws right now. Yeah, and I don't want to – I mean, you know, he is what he is. He's a backup quarterback. Yeah. So the, the organization needs to find a quarterback and a head coach, and that's – those two pieces can go a long way to determining, obviously, whether the Falcons are an exciting team next year or another one of the Falcons seasons that we kind of just go, uh, we wish things could be better. Shout-out to Derek Carr. Uh, four more touchdowns on Sunday. Uh, 25 for the season, but 15 of them came in the last five games. So he was one of those guys, if you were scrambling at quarterback and somehow your will landed on Derek Carr, can't complain about it. Um, you know, it wasn't great. It wasn't beautiful every week, but he always found the end zone uh, somehow, some way. Uh, another guy who was huge down the stretch. Let's go to uh, Arizona, Seattle. Seattle wins this game 21 to 20. Wasn't enough to get them into the uh, postseason. Green Bay won, so Seattle uh, not getting in there. But Ray James Conner, and I don't think anybody's paid attention to this, but, you know, yesterday and again, I know people aren't playing, but. Uh, over 200 yards for, for James Conner. 200, not 100, 200. Yeah, 200, 200. Uh, total yards. Yes. For the first time in his career, over 1,000 yards rushing. In year seven. Now, he's always over 1,000 total yards. Mm -hmm. But this, in the seventh year of his career, is the first time he's over 1,000 yards rushing. And, Ray, if you look at, like, all of December, you know, the playoff time, mm -hmm. he was averaging 140 total yards a game for fantasy players. So James Conner was a guy and he never has gotten respect. I've disrespected him. I, I thought Ray, when he left Pittsburgh, it was kind of over, mm -hmm. you know, he would just kind of fade off and, and not become anything, but he's kept it going. He's had a very good NFL career and a very good and, and very solid push at the end of this fantasy season. Yeah. They had a buy in week 14. Uh, so from weeks 15 to 18, the final four weeks of the season, to your point, James Conner was running back number two. Hmm. The only running back that was better was Brees Hall. And the issue with James Conner has long been, not that he's ineffective in games, we all know he's effective, it's can he stay on the field? And that again was there this year, right? He missed some game action and all that. But, you know, he finished on a high note. The, the I can't believe this, the Cardinals kind of finished on a high note despite losing the game yeah. yesterday by a point. They actually were trending up at the end. But that's another organization that needs to figure a lot of things out. They say they're going to keep Kyler Murray. They have no choice, Okay. This is what, you know, you're a 500 team with Kyler Murray. That's just how it is. And it'll be interesting to see what James Conner uh, does in 2024, what his role is, all that kind of stuff, and, and if he can stay healthy because he's still, as we're seeing, very effective. Uh, Arizona falling late in that game. Seattle went for two after finally getting a touchdown to Tyler Lockett. I think it had been seven weeks for Tyler Lockett without a touchdown. Uh, got one late, and then he followed it up with the two-point conversion as Seattle gets that victory. Uh, let's stay out West. Let's stay in the NFC West Rams in San Francisco. And there was a lot of intrigue on this game, Ray, going into week 18, especially in DFS, because we knew all these starters were going to be out. So it's like, okay, which of these cheap guys do I take a chance on? Damn. If it wasn't Carson Wentz, Ray, <laughs> you know, Carson Wentz had not in effect, he hadn't thrown a pass in 53 weeks. 
And Ray, I get it. He was facing second and third stringers for the 49ers, but the dude produced three touchdowns. Um, I know he created some DFS winnings for some people on Sunday. Three touchdowns for Carson Wentz. That was a beautiful thing. Puka Nakua uh, got a touchdown. He set the record for receptions and yardage by a rookie receiver. On the San Francisco side, Ray, we, we went back and forth, Mitchell or Mason, Mason or Mitchell. I guess we can say when it was all said and done, Mitchell was the guy who got the work for San Fran. It was. Yeah, Mitchell got the touchdown. He had twice as many uh, touches as, as James Mason. And, you know, in the end, I think this is a perfect way to end the, the season in 2023 with beat writers failing yet again miserably. <laughs> and it's, you know, I mean, and this was – this was a tough call, and there were a lot of people, and Jeff Manns and I talked about this on his show last week. This is, you know, the Niners, th those two guys had 20 carries for 88 yards on the touchdown. That worked. Mm -hmm. That's that's running back two. Let's love, we love that in the fantasy space, but it was two guys. Mm -hmm. And the guy that we heard all week, I guess we should have gone with, because remember how this went on our show, right? I made fun of the, the article I read that said it was going to be Mason on the waiver wire. I said, it's got to be Mitchell. Then at the end of the week, we're like, well, we're getting all these reports. We're going Mason. I guess I was yeah. wrong. In the end, I was right to start. We should have just got Mitchell. And it was the first drive of the game was all Elijah Mitchell, and yeah. that's when he got his touchdown. Yeah, and, you know, I mean, at the end, the Niners should have won this football game. Conley dropped the pass. Ray Ray McLeod dropped the pass. Like, they should have still won the game. But I think the storyline was, as you pointed out, the fact that the beat writer was wrong uh, with the running backs. And on the other side, let's not – Carson Wentz was good. He made some nice passes. 17 carries, Kyle, even more than Josh Allen. Yeah, and Carson Wentz led the Rams in rushing yardage. <laughs> How about that? Carson wins. Uh, Nakua Ray, mm -hmm. not going to be a wide receiver one, is he? As long as Cooper yeah. Cup's there, I don't think anybody's going to call him a wide receiver one, despite the historical campaign that he had. Yeah, and it, I was thinking about that because in the one of the leagues I'm in, a keeper league, I have Puka as a 16th rounder. I drew, took him in the 16th round this year, so of course I'm going to keep him next year. Yeah. And I'm trying to think, what what's a good season for him? 85 catches, 1,100 yards, six touchdowns? Like a good season, yeah. Yeah, but it'd be hugely disappointing, right? I don't know how many people are going to draft him hoping he's Calvin Ridley, right? They're going to draft him hoping he's the guy he was this year. And I, it comes down to multiple factors. One, McVay is back. He said that, good. We assume Matthew Stafford will be back, good. What's the health of Cooper Cup? Yeah, and, and, and Ray, I will about. say, Cup's getting up there in years, mm -hmm. and the kind of injuries he's dealing with, they just wear on you. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it's kind of, and what's his age? Next year, he'll be he'll be 31. I mean, I'm not expecting much from Cooper. I, I, I think Nakua could actually be a bargain if you get him as your second receiver next year. Yeah, and it, it all depends on, you know, it all depends. It's easy to look at a rookie who just set two records, that have, one of them that's been around for 60 years, and to say, well, duh, guys. It's easy to say I'm taking that guy, but it's not that simple. Uh, we'll, we'll need all this information to you know digest to, to make the, the final call. I, I feel confident in, in saying you know he's an every week starter next yeah. year. I don't think we're going to get craziness here, but I don't know. I, even so, like, does he do anything well enough to legitimately say even if Cooper Cup struggles again, he can do this, or is this merely a result of Matthew Stafford? Right. If he's catching passes from Brock Purdy, it's 80 catches. Right. So people look back at the history of Matthew Stafford. Stafford finds a guy and throws and throws and throws and throws the ball to that guy. If Stafford's not the quarterback, that would change things, too. And, and Greg in the chat room brings up the fact that it wasn't a lot of people. A lot of people uh, expressed uh, concern about Nakua when Cup was coming back. I, I I don't know exactly where Ray stood. I can't tell you where I stood. I did not. I, and I read those same reports, Greg, and I kind of scratched my head because I said, 
you don't just turn away from a guy who's done this in like the first three or four weeks. But so I, I was with Greg. I thought Naku would still have a role, all that stuff. But it's very evident. Um, it was a hugely front loaded season. Mm-hmm. Like how many people realize Adam Thielen had over 100 catches and over a thousand yards like Adam Thielen. But he did nothing in the last seven weeks. He had 27 catches in the last seven weeks, Adam Thielen did. So it's no knock on Nakua. It was a really good year. He did pull back a bit, but I was with you, Greg. I, they had to use him. They, they weren't going to just bail on Puka Nakua, and if he kept the faith, um, it did work for you. Remember, week. too, though, four of six weeks from week six to 12, four of six games, he didn't get to eight points mm-hmm. in a PPR setup. So, you know, it was extremely front-loaded and then that huge finish. It was actually bookended. But there was a period of time there where he was struggling to even be a wide receiver three. Uh, Kansas City and the Chargers. This one can be quick, Ray. Although, you know, I'm guessing Kansas City was kind of popular because, again, they were a team sitting everybody. Um, LaMichael Pirine, like, he got 21 carries. He did nothing with it. Chiefs did nothing. Chargers did nothing. The only touchdown was a defensive touchdown. The highlight of the game was Chris Jones getting a sack and making a mill and a half because he, he reached an incentive. Uh, the only other thing to say here, well, two other things. Easton Stick threw the football 47 times <laughs> and ran it 13 <laughs> for a grand total of 12 points. I mean, that that's a guy where you're like, I don't care if he gets hurt. We're not having Easton Stick anymore. Who cares? But the Austin Eckler thing, Ray, it, yeah. it you know, 10 carries, 11 yards. I guess he got seven catches. But you talk about a guy who is entering a very uncertain real-life future and fantasy future. That's Austin Eckler. I, I can't imagine he's back with the Chargers, Ray. I can't imagine he gets a multi-year deal from anybody. And I really wonder wherever he ends up, people are going to look at these numbers this year and say he looks washed. He, he looks like he's finally lost it. Good luck to him on the open market, but I I, I feel, Ray, he lands in a spot that he's never going to get what he had with the Chargers. You know, that those days are gone. And that's going to make him mostly an afterthought, I think, for people in our position in the fantasy world. Yeah, let me say something really stupid. But is there an appreciable difference right now between Austin Eckler and Antonio Gibson? I don't yeah. know. I mean, and that's remarkable for a guy who scored 38 touchdowns in two years and is setting records for receptions. But that's where we're at. It can go that fast. Now, the, the Chargers offense was a mess. Their coaching staff was a mess. Their offensive line was a mess. Like, this is not all on Austin Eckler. But there's not a metric out there that I'm aware of, and people can share it with us at the Ray Flowers or you know here at website Discord. Are there metrics that suggest he did anything better this year than last year? I don't think there are. Yeah, and that's a legitimate concern with Austin Eckler. Uh, let's go into another uncertain offseason, the offseason for the Chicago Bears. Um, they kind of finished the year with a thud. Things were trending upwards for Chicago. They go to Green Bay, ran into the Packers, ran into the very hot Jordan Love. Uh, by the way, Jordan Love, just, just to let you know, who had him for 32 touchdowns this year? <laughs> Not me. 32 touchdown throws for Jordan Love. Also, eight of his final nine games, he threw multiple touchdowns. Uh, he had one interception in the last eight games. Ray, damn impressive, right? I, I mean, that that Packers team was not expected to be in the postseason. Because they had a lot of uncertainty on both sides of the football, a lot of youth. They didn't have Aaron Jones half the season. Their wide receivers, Ray, were rarely healthy. Yep. I don't know if a guy made it through the year healthy and that, that receiver. Pretty damn impressive for Love and this coaching staff where the Packers got. 
Yeah, his last season as a starter for the Packers, Aaron Rodgers had 26 touchdown passes, two six. 32 for uh, Jordan Love. And again, I'm I'm nitpicking here because there, there could be potential greatness here. But, dude, stop throwing off your back foot. Mm-hmm. Even the touchdown, it's – stop throwing from a lawn chair, man. Like, he's got big-time talent. He's clearly settled in. I think the coaching staff, to your point, Kyle, deserves a ton of credit here for what they were able to do because there were also long periods of time, not just where the receiving core struggled. There were long periods of time where they couldn't run the football. All like, A.J. Dillon is – I mean, 1.7 yards in a cloud of dust. Like, Icky Woods could probably be as successful at this point. Like, it's really bad. And with Jones missing all that time, they had to lean on Dylan. But, yeah, this this is a pretty pretty damn impressive season. I totally agree with you. The Packers deserve credit for what they did. They'll be going to Dallas uh, on Sunday to take on the Cowboys. As for the Bears, Ray, I mentioned the uncertainty. Um, This whole offense looked bad yesterday. And I I realize that lands on the quarterback. I get it. And, And Fields did not lift his team up. They couldn't sustain drives. It was a pretty ugly effort. Um, and and now, Ray, we, we enter three months of smoke screens, innuendo, and rumors. Um, and and I, I'm not changing. I've been in this spot for two, three months. I, I think you stick with fields. I think you take that number one pick. You try to trade it. You go down in the draft. You get extra picks just like you did last year with Carolina. Um, or you use the number one pick and, and you get something you need. I don't like the idea of them going with another quarterback. And and really, Ray, the only I don't I don't know if this is the only argument because Fields it, by no stretch has Fields like made some leap. Because if he made the leap, it'd be easy. And and there are still stats, Ray, where if you just limit him to passing, they don't look good. There are a lot of stats that say, ah, oh, this guy is very mediocre as a passer. Understandable. So was Lamar Jackson for three years. I think the Bears are struggling with the idea of just embracing what they've got in Justin Fields. Like, they just need to turn them loose. And I get it. That's not a long-term way to success. But Philadelphia's embraced it with Jalen Hurts. The Bills have embraced it with Allen. The Ravens have embraced it with Jackson. The Bears can't embrace it with Fields. It's like they drafted this toy, and then they want to turn him into something else. As long as they're willing to embrace what he can be, Ray, they've got to keep with Justin Fields. Unless they want to start over – because, Ray, if they, if they draft a quarterback one, they're going back to four wins next year. And the whole coaching staff is fired. And then you're going to bring in a new coach. And you're going to bring in a new system. Like, And by then, D.J. Moore is getting old. And then Montez Sweat is moving. You know, like, I, I feel like they're pot committed with Fields. We'll just have to see what they do. Yeah, number one, you Justin Fields had to be checked for a concussion yesterday. Just to say this, Kyle, you can't get checked for a concussion in 45 seconds. Yeah, it was quick. <laughs> that's the biggest fraud. And like you either check the guy or you don't. That that's well, they have AI doctors now, Ray, so they can race through yeah. all the uh yeah. equations okay. quickly. Sure they can. Um, number two, Jeff Mann's early prognosis for the 2024 draft, which is again over at fantasyguru.com. He's got the number one pick going to the Bears. And being Marvin Harrison. Now, think about that. Marvin Harrison and DJ Moore, Cole Komet, we've got weapons at our quarterback. We're effective running the football, whether it's Herbert or Johnson or whatever we do, we're effective running the football. That might work. And I, I you know, Fields would take a, his, he, Fields would do this. He'd take his five step drop last night. He'd have one second, there was a guy in his face. Like the mm-hmm. offensive line did not create a pocket for him virtually the entire time. He was constantly on the move. And you saw even with the bad game or poor game last night, you saw moments of this. I'm t- and I, I've, say the same, I've said the same thing you said, that there are not 15 better quarterbacks than Justin Fields. Talent-wise, he's probably a top-10 quarterback, might be even higher talent-wise. Can you rein that in? 
Ravens sure figured it out as you said, as you said there, Kyle. They've won for years now with Lamar Jackson. Well, and to further my point a bit on, on let him be what he is, a, another thing, move the pocket. Like he needs, he actually makes very good throws on the run. He does. Yeah. Um, they, they, and again, that's not a way you want to live in the NFL, but I, I mean, this idea of turning him into a pocket passer just ain't going to work. So if, if that's what they want to do, I guess move on, but he's right there for you. You can build around this and mm-hmm. sounds like Matt Eberflus is going to be sticking around uh, with the bears. That will not be a coaching change, uh, but we'll see, like I said, three, four months now of us kind of uh, waiting and wondering to see what the bears do with the number one pick. Um, Denver, Vegas, um, and, and Ray following up on the field saying Aiden O'Connell, surely the Raiders are going to want something else. I, I don't know. I guess they can move on from Garoppolo, but Aiden O'Connell was not pitiful. Was he down the stretch? It was okay. He, he kind of got Devonte Adams involved. Got a couple of touchdowns for Jacoby Myers, him and Zamir White. You know, it was okay, but I'm going to say the Raiders don't want to be going into next season with Aiden O'Connell as their guy. I would not fall mm-hmm. for this like final six weeks or so. Yeah. I mean, you can make the playoffs at nine and eight. And if the Raiders want to try to make the playoffs at nine and eight, keep Aiden O'Connell. Like that. He's not a difference maker. He's not, he should be a backup. And I don't think that's, you know, saying a ton. Yeah. Uh, we don't know who the head coach is going to be. We don't know if Josh Jacobs is going to be back. We don't know if Devontae Adams is going to talk his way out. Like we, there's a lot going on here with the, the organization and what the future holds. I don't think that Aiden O'Connell, again, is a franchise quarterback. He's yeah. a guy that you can bridge, and he's a guy that can be effective, okay? But there's a difference between having a quarterback like that and having real aspirations. And if you have real aspirations of doing something, I just don't think he's the guy for that. You mentioned Adams. Uh, shout out to him. Four straight years of at least 100 catches and at least 1,000 yards. That's that's big-time numbers there. Aiden O'Connell, you say, hey, well, you want to be average, fine. Zamir White, because there's a good chance, right, Josh Jacobs moves on. Mm-hmm. You think Zamir White, I I do not, by the way, think that his four-game run here with a lot of work and a decent amount of success has made him the guy for the Raiders. There's going to be competition coming in, right, Ray? I mean, I maybe, like, if you're in a dynasty and you picked up Zamir White for a song, you're in a good spot. But I I don't think, Ray, we saw something in this final month that has the Raiders thinking, yeah, he's going to be our guy next year. Let's sign him up for 275 carries. Well, if they want to be the Steelers, he can be Najee Harris. He can be that part of the backfield. He can be so he can be a significant part of this team. I think he can be their lead running back. Is he a third down guy? Is he a pass catching guy? Is he someone you really want to give 25 carries to? No. But I think he and we showed it. I think he can be effective as an NFL running back. But again, for me, this everything changes here with the coaching staff, who the quarterback is, and what who the skill players are. So, you know, the Raiders could be in a scenario where Zamir White ends up touching the ball nine times a game next year. They could be a scenario next year where he's touching it 23 times a game next year. It it really depends upon how this all plays out. Because remember, too, the Raiders are one of the rare teams in the NFL anymore that it's the pyramid is very pointed, right? There's like three guys every week that are touching the football, whereas other teams, there's you know 14 guys. The Raiders basically gave it to Myers. They gave it to Adams. They gave it to the running back, right? Yeah. That's what they did. That likely changes if they make a change to the coaching position. 27-14, uh, that victory over Denver. And then our final game, actually it's two more games. Uh, we'll go to Minnesota-Detroit, 30-20. to Detroit, the winner there. Uh, really good finish for Amon Ross St. Brown. Um, he actually lapped. Well, I, he beat all of his numbers from last year, which is really impressive for Amon Ross St. Brown. We, we probably don't mention him enough, but a ton of catches, tons of yards. Got the 10 touchdowns this year. Good run for him. Um, Jameer Gibbs, rookie season of over 1,200 yards and 11 touchdowns. 
At the same time, uh, David Montgomery over a thousand yards rushing. Jared Goff looked fine. Big news here, though, Ray is Laporta. And it sounds like he's not going to be available for this weekend against the Rams. And, and maybe even if they win, I, I don't know if he's back two weeks from now for the Lions either. Yeah, and this is obviously a big talking point. Uh, you know, should the Lions have done this? Should they have tried to win the football game? And my stance is this, like people are playing for their careers. Players are playing for their careers. Coaching staffs are playing for their careers. You don't want in to go into the playoffs on a down note. Uh, you haven't won a division in 25 years or whatever the hell it was before they won it this year. Like I have no problem with them playing their guys. I have no problem because again, I think that, you know, you play 18 games, you're getting paid millions of dollars to play, play. You're getting millions paid millions of dollars to coach, coach. So it's unfortunate that Laporta got hurt. Uh, I'm not surprised that these guys played. We talked about Campbell and his likelihood of playing his guys. This, this played out the way I think it should. And I, and I really do dislike the, the, and I saw this all over social media yesterday, from, including people in our industry, meaningless game, meaningless game. And it's not a meaningless game. Every game matters. Every game matters. Or, or let's just play a 16-game season or a 15-game season or a 14-game season. I get really tired of, of people using the situation with Laporta as if, oh, this is why the last game of the season shouldn't count. To me, that's ridiculous. Yeah, there's injuries every week, every week. And and there are games that don't matter in week seven. You know, a team's 0-6, they're finished. Mm-hmm. Has Carolina played a game that matters in 10 weeks? <laughs> but, you know, you're still playing Adam Thielen or, you know, still rolling with Chubba Hubbard. You know, it's, there's games that don't matter all season long. I get it. Week, week 18 is an easy scapegoat. Um, and I, I will point out, if Detroit were sitting guys, they would have set Goff, St. Brown, and Montgomery before they even got to Laporta. As a rookie, um, he sets the rookie tight end record for receptions at 84. He gets a touchdown in this game. Uh, he still had a good fantasy effort, even with the injury. And, and it sucks. I get it. It's it's no fun if you're a Lions fan to have lost that weapon. Um, I will say the Lions will uh, find somebody else at tight end. Maybe not the skill set of Laporta, but they have other guys they can turn to at that position. Um, on the Minnesota side, Nick Mullins, I guess if you chose that route, you're a winner. What do you have? 44 passes yesterday. Vikings fell behind early and he was airing it out. He still makes, you know, boneheaded throws, but he's got an arm. And, and that's probably good enough to be an NFL backup. Uh, sucks if you're a Justin Jefferson owner. His best game of the year was yesterday uh, when nobody really played him. 12 catches for Jefferson. Uh, he'll he'll still be a first round pick next year. Probably still going to be a top three PPR wide receiver, if not higher, going into next season. Uh, final game, Ray, Cleveland and Cincinnati. Browns mailed it in. I mean, yesterday they're losing 24-0, Ray, and they're still running the football. Like, <laughs> and they just wanted to get out of Cincinnati. They, they had a couple throws late. Driscoll to David Bell, two touchdowns here. Cincinnati looked good. Um, but again, Ray, about the only thing here is Joe Mixon finally doing something. First game of the season over 100. First game of the season over 90. Uh, there's a good chance. Well, I would say there's a good chance, not that I've delved into the machinations of uh, everything with the Bengals cap, but Ray, they may move on. There there were rumors about this in the previous offseason. Joe Mixon's kind of an easy cut for the Bengals this season. Remember, they're paying Joe Burrow now. Jamar Chase is going to get money. Guys like Burrow, they're probably moving on, and Chase Brown could be a guy we're talking about a lot going into next season. Yeah, Joe Mixon, he's done things all season long, Kyle. He's top 10 running back this year. Yeah, a lot um, of touchdowns, a lot of touchdowns. Yeah. Was he dynamic or anything? No. But I'm looking at it right now. He's running back six. Yeah. So, you know, it just adds up. And this is what you and I have talked about for years. Even when you're not necessarily a dynamic weapon, when you're not Christian McCaffrey or Brees Hall, if you get 17 touches every week, every week, 
every week. You end up being there at the end of the season. And I think we saw that with Joe Mixon. And you're right. They they could decide to move on. Uh, they had to make a decision on T. Higgins. And I think that's the big one. No one really expects them to bring T. Higgins back. But, you know, would they rather dump money into T. Higgins or Joe Mixon? T. Higgins would be the answer to that. So, yeah, I mean, Mixon's been a very workmanlike uh, producer for the Bengals for years. We saw that again at the end of the season. Uh, but, yeah, his, his status for fantasy uh, in 2024 is completely up in the air. Cleveland uh, headed to Houston. That'll actually be the first playoff game on Saturday. A uh, quick look at the schedule. Uh, two games on Saturday. Browns against the Texans. I think that's a 4.30 Eastern kickoff on Saturday. Uh, Saturday night, Dolphins and Chiefs. Remember, it's going to be frigid. And remember, that game is only on Peacock. Ray, are you a subscriber? I get Peacock as part of my – so, yes. But uh, hopefully everyone else is too. No, I'm not. And I'm using it as an excuse to go to the bar. Okay, there you go. go. (laughs) (laughs) Gotta make sure the bar has the streaming rights. That game is stream only. Uh, Three games on Sunday uh, Pittsburgh at Buffalo, Green Bay at Dallas, and then Sunday night should be a fun one Rams at Detroit. Matthew Stafford, Jared Goff. So that'll be revenge. And uh, then Monday, we we, uh, end with a whimper. Uh, Philadelphia at Tampa, but watch, that'll probably be the greatest game of all time in, in playoff football. So that is the postseason. Uh, obviously, you've got your buys, your top-seeded teams uh, get get the week off. Uh, that, of course, would be San Francisco and Baltimore. Uh, get that extra week off. Uh, Black Monday is now here, and Ray got an early start. Arthur Blank uh, canned Arthur Smith, as he mm-hmm. should have, pretty mm-hmm. quickly. I think right at midnight, that press release came out. So as soon as they could on Monday night, they announced that. And then Ron Rivera of, of Washington, no surprise, he's been fired. And and Ray will probably see some more names today. Uh, the Belichick one's a big one. Uh, there's meetings and sounds like there's a chance he sticks around. But most of the writing on the wall says he's out in New England. And we, we talked about this last week, like, who takes a shot on Bill Belichick? Uh, one team is Atlanta. Everybody's like all in on Atlanta, maybe taking a shot on Belichick if he's out there. They've got a solid defense. Uh, they've got the running back. They've got the wide receiver. They've got the tight end. They need the quarterback, but I don't think Bill Belichick would have a difficult time attracting free agents. So that's, I mean, to step in, that would not be, you know, there were scenarios for Bill Belichick to step into than to fill that Arthur Smith role. We uh, got a report here, CBS Sports, saying Vrabel sticking with the Titans is 50-50. Um, trying to think other spots where you could see a change. Uh, we got it in Atlanta. It sounds like New Orleans, Dennis Allen's probably safe. Uh, obviously, you've already got openings uh, with the Chargers. Um, Antonio Pierce, we'll see if he sticks around as the uh, head coach in Vegas. So we'll get to that over the coming days. Uh, we do have a report, Ray, on Jalen Hurts. Um, no fracture in his throwing hand. So that's good news for Jalen Hurts. He he left that game after getting the finger crunched. Didn't look broken, but it certainly is hurt. Uh, it looks but at least no fracture there. Twisted there in that one shot when he was holding it up and he looked like he had a claw. Like it was like, oh boy. But I mean, I got bumps on my fingers too. So, you know, I don't know what his hands normally look like. But yeah, that's, that's good news that uh, no fracture because obviously – that would be a significant concern, though it's still something to keep in mind here because, you know, it is something he's going to have to deal with. And our friend Aaron Rodgers said this morning, quote, I'd like for this to be more than just next year with the Jets. So, Ray, you may be an old man still talking about Aaron Rodgers in the year 2037. Or Aaron Rodgers could be in jail for defaming people. So you never know how this one could go, Kyle. Go you can't with go to jail for defaming people, Ray. <laughs> Come on. I've been defaming Arthur Smith all season long. Come on. 
You know that. Um, okay, that will do it for us. Uh, been a fun one. We love Mondays, although we don't get to do a Monday like this for quite some time. Although I guess next week we'll have three games to kind of recap. Um, what, what's on the docket? Well, obviously baseball is going to pick up steam. Uh, we'll start to give a little more attention to basketball. I mean, tomorrow Justin Fensterman is going to be with us. Hockey, give a little more attention to that. Uh, college basketball starts to pick up here. We'll have coverage over at fantasyguru.com. Um, let's see. Uh, we'll recap the fantasy football season. We'll be talking draft, free agency, all that stuff. So fear not, the games may be over. But the beauty of what we do here, there's still a lot to talk about. Um, this week, in addition to things like basketball, hockey, whatever we choose to talk about, uh, we will also do some recapping of the season that was. Um, so often we fail to do that, but it's worth figuring things out like, hey, did you know Chubba Hubbard had like 260 carries or something silly like that? Uh, didn't do much with him, but but he had a lot of work there. Uh, so as we go through the coming weeks, we'll follow the playoffs, keep you up to date on some fantasy outlooks, dynasty stuff. Maybe we'll get one of our dynasty guys to join us, kind of talk about what changed in the preceding four or five months. Uh, so keep it tuned right here every weekday, 11 a.m. Eastern, uh, YouTube, X, Facebook. Uh, download the podcast, sign up for that. If you ever miss us live here, you can always hunt down the podcast. And that about does it, Ray. I'm, I'm sure you're now a total locked into baseball, right? That, that's what you're doing over the next month or two. Next two days, got some wrapping up football uh, and then 100% baseball. I'll still be doing baseball the next two days as well. Uh, but yeah, we're, we're hoping to announce here on the show pretty soon our target date for the release of the draft guide. We should have some information on that this week. Uh, and uh, then it will be, yeah, it'll be uh, the push to the start of the baseball season and then uh, see if there's anyone the Dodgers won't sign because they added to Oscar Hernandez. If people miss that as they continue. Uh, and by the way, Phil Backard pointed out they have like, what is it? I got to look this up real quick, Kyle, before I stall the show out. But if you look at the, the money that they have in contracts that are deferred and Phil, again, Phil Backard, our producer on series six and pointed this out, they have like, what is it? $40 million, uh, $40 million in deferred money to guys in their forties. Wow. Because they've got Otani, they've got Freeman, they've got Betts. Why can't I find this? You know, when you go to look and you can never find it when you need it, Kyle. Uh, yeah. But anyway, go check out Phil Backert on Twitter because um, he, he posts the information. But it's it's like $40 million to guys in their mid to late 40s that the Dodgers are paying out. Now, Ray, Ray's crying me a river here with all the Dodgers. But Ray fails to mention Robbie Ray is now a giant. So we'll, we'll get into to some of those moves. And we were so heavy with football today. We're well over time. But tomorrow we will sneak in some baseball. Kind of update yeah. you on where things stand over the last few days, you got the number. I do. I was wrong. And it was it's eighty four million dollars to forty four year old Otani, a forty six year old Betts, a forty nine year old Freeman, and a forty six year old Teoscar Hernandez. Eighty four million dollars to guys that are almost as old as me. Yeah. Well, Ray, when, when your career is over at thirty eight, you got to make money somewhere. These guys still making tens of millions into their forties is impressive. Nice. I work. wish I had that contract. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Give me. A pension like that, I guess. Um, okay, that'll do it for us. Big thanks to everybody in the chat room. Uh, we will be back tomorrow, 11 a.m. Eastern. Kyle Alfred Gray Flowers with more of Fantasy Sports Daily, powered by FantasyGuru.com.